Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or SleepNumber.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Knapsack, back 
for another edition of the main show here, the superstar destroyer of our fleet. Joseph Scrimshaw is back with me, and I want to thank you, Joseph, for holding down the fort with Jennifer last week on our Force Center uh, that was recorded while I was in the uh, the uh, the the belly of the beast, the belly of the beast, <laughs> the sarlacc, the trash compactor of popular culture, San Diego Comic Con. Oh wow, was I ever in the belly of the beast? Yeah, but it's good to be back, and you guys did so great. Uh, yeah, it was a ton of fun. Yeah. Absolutely. So you survived Comic-Con. Yeah, it was a, a sort of a strike force. Uh, just a quick in and quick out. Uh, I was there for, I think, 38 hours. Wow. But I did a show, a couple panels, a signing, <laughs> three parties, and <laughs> yeah, a hangover, and I left. And I left. Yeah. yeah, I ran into you at the Collider meetup, right, I think? Yeah, the I Collider think, yeah, Schmozno meetup, yeah. It was so crazy. It was like, you turned the corner, ah, there's Joseph. I know that person. <laughs> feels so good. Uh, I think that might be the way to do it. I mean, I was there for five days for work, but I enjoyed taking my time, but I, something to be said about getting in and getting out. Yeah, it's a little Las Vegas-like of like, it is yeah. filled with fun and excitement, and, and then you're just like, could I sleep like a human <laughs> sometime, I, please? a normal life. Did you get a chance to see or pick up any Star Wars uh, memorabilia or toys? I got to look at them. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, we took a quick look around the floor and got to see a lot of cool Star Wars stuff on the floor. I got right. a free copy of Aftermath that they were giving away. Oh, this is yeah, the, the, paperback. the paperback. Because, okay. yeah, I, huh. I had read your, co- your yes. hardcover copy of Aftermath, and, and there's so much info in Aftermath, as we'll talk there about is. it. Like, I really want one myself to just flip through. And I was looking at the the book stand and the the, pre, the people that were giving me the sell of like, these are all the new Star Wars books. I was like, <laughs> oh, uh, I know. You don't know how much I know. Well, actually. Uh, like, uh, yes, you send that one to me for free, actually, Delray, to review <laughs> on my podcast. Uh, but then they're like, hey, do you want a free Aftermath? I was like, yes, I do, actually. Yes, I it's do. so much for me being smug. I know everything that's going on. I'm like, no, we're just giving away free Aftermath. So it was perfect. It's good to have a copy. It's still one of the better covers. In all of the new Star Wars books, I love the aftermath covers. Yeah, yeah, they're um, incredibly well designed, and particularly yeah. uh, the uh, the life debt. Right. Yeah, yes. I like the yeah, yeah, that bright yellow. Yeah, I made a whiskey ginger uh, last night oh, to yeah. drink as, or two nights ago, to drink as I finished life debt, and it matched my whiskey beautifully. The cover art, and I like any <laughs> cover art where the book and the booze. Look really nice together. Did you get a chance to see the Rogue One costumes? Yes, I did. So you got to see the spoiler of, of, of Two Tubes? Yep, yep. I took a picture of it. Uh, I, I like it. Yeah, Two Tubes is great. Yeah, yeah Jennifer and I talked about it a little bit of that yeah. great uh, action figure connection of mm. he's kind of named like the old action figures used to be named just because the production didn't give them real <laughs> character names. And now they're like, well, let's build this into the actual narrative. That he doesn't have a real name because his asshole friends he hangs out with call him Two Tubes. Two Tubes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a walrus man situation here. Yeah, it was great. And, and the Rogue One displays all the costumes. I'll tell you, I still like that Captain Cassian Andor, man. I want that jacket. Yeah, that's a great jacket. Yeah, yeah we can maybe get four center jackets because Jennifer oh. loves that one too. So all three of us could get oh, Cassian Andor jackets. It. Put a patch on it. <laughs> yeah, and wear them in the heat of Los Angeles. It would be perfect. Do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As I sweat here today, it, it's, uh, it's, it's been a hot run here. Hey, it is in the summer. So, guys, what we're here for today, the main reason we're going to gather and talk for this episode of Force Center, is to dive into Aftermath Life Debt, the book by Chuck Wendig that is number two in the Aftermath trilogy. It was released to the public on July 12th, 2016. Joseph and I were lucky enough to score some early copies and do some reading, um, though uh, Comic-Con I did not get a chance to read, so I had to scramble and finish afterwards. But it was a nice way to relax post-Comic-Con. It was really nice for Life Debt to visit my bedstand. <laughs> 
at Comic Con, but it did not get read. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I brought the book too. But, uh, <laughs> plans of, of mice and men. Those plans are. Uh, um, so, uh, Joseph, let's dive in. I guess we can look back a little bit about uh, the first book, Aftermath. I want yeah. to touch on what we felt on that, and I think uh, we both came down somewhat similar. That Aftermath, uh, uh, not our favorite of the new canons. I think I liked the world that Chuck Wendig created post. The death of the emperor and the, the, the explosion and destruction yeah. of the Death Star. Um, uh, where are you now looking back at Aftermath compared to Life Dead now? Yeah, I'm going to reread Aftermath, and okay. I know for sure that I'm going to enjoy it more now. My biggest yeah. critique of Aftermath was that he, I, I was immediately engaged by the core characters. Right. And I think Chuck Wendig is amazing at getting you to instantly be invested in things. But the number of, here's a new character. We slowly get to know them. Then we're taken away from them for yeah. an interlude. We get invested in that. And then that goes away. So it, it just felt so stoppy and starty. It felt like mm-hmm. this is a thrilling roller coaster ride that keeps kind of taking breaks. Right. But now that uh, I've read Life Debt, I really, really like these core characters. Yeah. I like this picture of the galaxy that he's painted and now i feel like when i reread after death aftermath, aftermath yeah. it will be like uh like getting caught up with old friends because now i know these characters it's not the work of being introduced to them yeah there's one particular character which is singer wrath velus 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 singer we'll call him singer wrath yeah velus uh he is of course an imperial turncoat he used to be uh, part of the imperial uh, uh armada there he was a loyalty officer and his backstory that you learn in, in Aftermath, I was, uh, uh, I remember it clearly, yeah. read it, read the book. It takes place on Endor, and he's got Princess Leia in his sights. But reading this book, I'm like, I need to go back and really study that a little bit more and learn more about this character, because he's one that jumps out to me as one of my favorites. I loved him in Aftermath yeah. as soon as I read it. And yeah. that was like, okay, if we could just spend more time with Sinjar and he was the main character, I could stay hooked right. and invested as I'm, I'm reading. Right. And yeah, I, he's my favorite character by far. Like, I'm going to start voting for him when polls come up of like, <laughs> who do you want to see an action figure of a movie? Like, I think he's one of my favorite new characters. Absolutely. And I would have, I would like a character, uh, a Black Series figure of him way more than I want a uh, uh, Jaina Solo, who won the contest, by the way, which is a disappointing. Yeah, that, yeah that's a whole thing. It's a, that's, that's a political statement in plastic. I don't like that at all, but that's another <laughs> show, another time. So, of course, uh, we're uh, picking up on Life Dead. We joined the adventures of Nora Wexley, her son, Temin Snap Wexley, John Barrel, who is a uh, New Republic soldier, Singer, as we mentioned, Jas M. Amari, who is uh, a Zabrik. Bounty Hunter. Yep, and I feel like, in general, Star Wars canon has settled on Zabrak. Yeah, that's Zabrak? what Darth Maul's people Zabrak. are. Yep, Zabrak. We're running with that. Okay. We're going to stick with it now. Not Zabrak? <laughs> Zabrak. 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 Seems and the course, exciting way to say it. we can't forget Mr. Bones. Yes, or he can is we? unforgettable. <laughs> he is unforgettable. Uh, let's dive into Mr. Bones, because I know some people who I work with around the office who, two, two people, put down the first book. Because of Mr. Bones. Okay. Specifically. I understand that. I 90% love him and yeah. 10% hate him. So I understand. Love him more now. Yeah. And I loved him in, in Aftermath, too. Yeah. I, think, uh, I think Chuck Wendig has a great sense of humor in Mr. Bones. He yes. is very specifically, uh, Chuck and I are pals on Twitter for whatever value that yeah. is. And it, that's his sense of humor. Yeah. Um, it just funneled and then turned up to 11 through Mr. Bones. So if you're down with that sense of humor, Mr. Bones is hilarious. If you're not, it's grating. 
Yeah, and I I think I like I said I like him more now. I think my reaction to earlier in, in Aftermath, the first book, was that it was a battle droid, and I was like, I'm okay with the battle droids coming back. You know me, I can yeah. I enjoy good prequel reference, and I'm fine with it. But yeah, it was uh, I it was like Anakin uh, building three PO over again for me. Yep, there's a little bit of that. Yeah, uh, but this time around, the humor works for me. Yeah, because he uh, there's not a lot of uh, there's character moments, but there's not a ton of of uh, humor in these books to me. I, they're, they're darker, a little more grimmer, but there's, there's fun swashbuckling kind of dialogue and action at times. Han Solo is very funny in this book to me, yeah. too. But the humor of Mr. Bones does work for me. Yeah. Because it is this over-the-top robot trying to offer some kind of solace and comfort and, and support in this galaxy. Yeah, and I like it. It expands the picture that we've been getting of droids truly having personality, and their personality is not always being totally under control, and there's a great yeah. line in Life Dead of... Of Tem and Snap just saying, like, I tried to give him this personality, but I think I did something (laughs) wrong. Something wrong. You know, and it also, the the books are starting to really pile up Mm -hmm. in Rebels sometimes on the cleanup jokes to uh, taking something that fans have always kind of had a problem with and putting it in this fun different context. And the fact that battle droids are a joke in that they're ineffective. Yeah. It seemed like that was the joke of Mr. Bones in the first book is yes. the most ineffective droid, kind of clunky, dumb-looking, to make it vicious and make it psychotic and make it scream psychotic funny things <laughs> in all caps was like, here's just a real joke on that. Like the same way in Bloodline, there was that line yeah. where Princess Leia, or uh, Senator Leia, mm-hmm. uh, General Leia said, I, I affected a British accent to make fun of Tarkin, you know? <laughs> and I, I, I like those cleanup jokes, but at a certain point, you you start to see the author instead of the the yeah. content. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But Mr. Bones is still here, whether you like him or not. Um, maybe you'll grow to love him. It would be a good little action figure. He's, he's a oh yeah, red and black battle yeah. droid with some additional parts. When bad things almost happen to him, I feel bad. So that yeah. means I like the character. You do like. I'm the attached character. to the character. On the villain side of things, we're still tooling around with Grand Admiral Ray Sloan, uh, first uh, debuted in a New Dawn as a captain. She's still uh, very high up. Uh, the de facto head and face of the new Imperial Army or what's left of this wing of the Imperial Army and then uh, she finally at the end of the last book the mystery of who she was answering to mm-hmm. was what we were left with and I thought that was a good way to end the book it actually didn't want to bring me back for more I thought that was great and now we know that it's uh, Galius Rax and his shadow council that he has formed which includes Brundle, uh, Brandle Brendel. Oh, Brendel, excuse yeah. me. Brendel Hux, uh, who, of course, is the father of General Hux of the Fast Order. <laughs> Armitage Hux. Armitage <laughs> Hux is his name. That's why he's so angry. His father named him Armitage. And he's like a bastard boy. He's like a Jon yeah. Snow. He's like an evil Jon Snow. In a yeah, way. I really, really like that. Yeah. Just that sets him up to be, there's some great text that just sets him up to be bitter and angry. Yeah, it totally does. And, and his father, of course, is established as a, as a great Imperial officer and head of the Imperial Academy and responsible for churning out a bunch of great Imperials. But then let himself go, which is right. a great detail. And I, and I have to say, I think uh, Aftermath is maybe stuffed full of too many little details, so it's yeah. hard to swallow. But Life Dead's got a lot of those great little details. Yeah. Like Brendel Hux's amazing Imperial, who's now a fat sweat. <laughs> 
sweaty slob <laughs> is awesome. I like a lot of that there. So that sets the players. That's where we are. And we don't necessarily want to review a book by going plot by plot. But, Joseph, I want you to start and tell me, uh, um, what stand out to you here uh, plot-wise? Uh, what what, what yeah. would you like? Uh, well, just uh, general. Do, how spoilery do we want to be, Ken? Uh, do we want to we try to keep it safe uh, for people who haven't read the book? Or do we want to go deep? Here's the thing. I, I think we should give a, a, a spoiler warning because there's stuff at the end I want to discuss. Yeah, there's some deep stuff that you kind of need to. So, I, yeah, yeah, I would say if you haven't read the book, yep. make yourself a ginger whiskey because it'll match the color of the cover of the book. Suck that down in the book real quick and then yeah. listen to the rest. Yeah, because I, I tried to have a non-spoiler conversation with those people at work who hadn't read the book, trying to get them to read the book. And that ending, I need a place to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this, this will be absolutely. Uh, I, you know, the, I think the plot, I thought it moved better. I thought there were fewer interludes. The interludes yeah. attached to things we n- know more yeah. quickly. And the groundwork had been laid yeah. with uh, Aftermath. So it was really easy to invest in. It moved fast. I was interested in all the characters. I thought that there were two like big themes that mm-hmm. emerged that kept me super engaged, and it was more than just oh Star Wars yeah. story. Um, one was that it seemed like everybody was really in search of what is my purpose, what is my role yeah. in this new galaxy, and like on a deeper philosophical level, like mm-hmm. what is the point of any of this? Right, which I felt like was really um, really resonated, and then on top of that every time one of the characters started to feel like maybe this is who I want to be, they struggle with, does that match the ideology of whatever institution I'm serving? Yeah. Yeah, and you see it a lot with Ray Sloan. I think the, the, the uh, development of, uh, of Ray Sloan in this book is, is interesting to me because where they're going to take it, I don't know. Um, uh, where, where she serves an empire but uh, doesn't feel as though uh, the way that, that uh, her new boss is going about it is the right way, and there's always there seems to be a conflict there. But she's not going good. Yeah, it draws. She's not out. joining the rebellion mm-hmm. or the new republic. Right. It really draws out two different ways to look at the empire. That's really firmly, I think, introduced in Lost Stars, and invites you to see one or the other, mm-hmm. which is. Do are you a person who believes that uh, everything works better when there is control? There is right. no chaos. There is only order, and it's cool that she just believes in. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple people have to die. Some freedoms have to be stepped on, but you need order and yeah. honor and organization. And then there's like crazy evil people who are like, no, uh, racism, <laughs> speciesism is real good, and we yeah. we like killing people because it makes us feel more <laughs> powerful. Good. Yeah, like, there is just like straight up evil versus yeah. A strong belief in an organizational system, right? And it, you learn a lot about Ray's backstory, finally, and some uh, some stuff going on there, and how the Empire got rid of the bad people in her life. So, as a young person, and yeah, things she suffered. So, yeah, that made sense to me. It's relatable, yeah. like to real world stuff. If you grow up in a bad neighborhood, yeah. you you are going to maybe like authority a little bit more because you see them as right. taking care of the criminals in your area, right? So for the stormtroopers to come in and save the day, that's a good thing. For yeah, them. gleaming white bucket heads. Yeah, exactly. And so there's a lot about that. And yeah, you talked about finding uh, that theme about finding who you are and where you're supposed to be in the in the new uh, new republic or the or the post uh, galactic empire. You see that a lot with uh, Leia, mm-hmm. and I love the stuff with Leia Mon Mothma that that carries all the way up until Bloodline. I mean, this is a long running, dare I say, feud. Yeah, and th- this one was even more uh, antagonistic. Yeah. Like, Leia in Bloodline seemed to have begrudging respect for Mon Mothma. And yeah. think, like, well, at least Mon Mothma could hold everything together, and now that she's gone, things are kind of falling apart. Yeah. So to have them totally bad- at each other's throats 
Yeah. It was, it was yeah, really cool. Great stuff. It also makes me wonder if that's a little bit of a hint for Rogue One that Mon Mothman's mm. portrayed as sort of cold and calculating of I'm looking at the numbers. I think you're right. I think you're right. I'm going to make that prediction now. I don't think we're going to, obviously we're not going to see Leia in that, but no. yeah, how how Mon Mothman she wants to demilitarize and all that kind of stuff, and and Leia by the time of Bloodline and definitely by the time of Force Awakens has formed her own military. Yeah, again, two different competing ways of going around bringing peace to the galaxy in a weird way. Not that Leia's a warmonger or anything like that, but she's just seen that stuff up close. Right. So I loved I loved post. Galactic Empire, I like that the New Republic isn't just established. It isn't running great and smooth and everything's fine. Like, say, in the Zahn novels, we got more. It was five years after we got to see things were, you know, this is the new normal. Yeah. I like we're establishing that. Yeah, and I I think Empire's End is going to be, this is so exciting. I'm so excited for Empire's End because I feel like Aftermath was showed us galactic just chaos. Yeah. Just nobody knew what was going on. So then it really makes sense that Life Dead is about trying to figure out things have calmed down enough for people to make choices. Right. And they they aren't doing a great job making choices. They keep changing their minds. All the main characters keep changing their minds. Yeah. Yeah. And and um, even, even uh, so the focus is still on Nora Wexley and her team. Um, and they get some fun adventures, some action there. But um, I don't know. I didn't... I, I, Who's is Singer the standout from that group to you? Because I'd still I'd rather follow his adventures and know more about him. I think Singer and Nora. I like you like Jass Nora? and I yeah. like John, but I like Nora a lot. I think I, do uh, like her. I think Chuck writes her and her backstory mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess kind of goes along with that identity thing of she just joined the rebellion sort of because she felt like she needed to follow in her lost husband's right. footsteps, and she's wrestling with well, what is it to be a mother? What is it to be a rebel, did I make the right choices? And and there's so many little spots in this book where she has those flashes of instinct of, well, this is what a pilot would do. And that's who I am now. I am a pilot. Pilot. So you've got that, like, well, now that's like part of her identity, but then she's still trying to match that to ideology of, like, well, does that fit in with what the New Republic is doing? Does that fit in with being a mom? Right. Like, the book starts out with her wondering about whether or not she's made her son a warrior or a murderer. Right. Yeah, Her son being Snap Wexley yeah. uh, from Force Awakens, of course. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and the stuff with her and her husband, and then, of course, and this is we get to you know perhaps our first big spoiler, is the uh, the blooming romance between her and Wedge, Yeah, which is interesting. Wedge and Tilly's no longer just a, uh, a number two flying those X-Wings. Great uh, shot, wing. Jensen. Great shot, Jensen. <laughs> it's a way to attach cable. Now he gets to attach his cable. And he... Uh, <laughs> he, 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 he all right. Um, and that, that had a... I like that storyline. And then her husband returns. She finds her husband um, after teaming up with Han Solo there. Um, so she, I am wondering where she fits into the bigger story. And yeah. where we'll see this character go even maybe perhaps after Empire's End. Yeah, I think that she might die. Mm. Because obviously we know where Snap goes. We're building yeah. that relationship. We get the information that Wedge gave him the nickname right. Snap. Right. And that he is training to be a pilot. Yeah. You know, it, so it, it might make sense for, for her to die nobly because she's almost died nobly about 18 times across these two books. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of She that fights time. hard. But you brought up Sinjar, and I tried, tried yeah. to kind of change the subject to old yeah. Nora. But, I, yeah, I think Sinjar, for me, is the standout character. Yeah. I think he is 
we've never seen a character uh, that is that imperial turncoat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do with Finn, but it's kind of a different thing different. for being introduced to the First Order. We know exactly yeah. that he used to be doing the most evil things for the Empire. Torturing. Torturing, and we've just also, which maybe this is why you and I like him, Ken. Yeah. We've never seen a Star Wars character that's a functioning alcoholic, a <laughs> high-functioning alcoholic, and that's a part of who his, a big part of whose character is. Absolutely. Is that, uh, that sense of, I want to do my best, I want to be my best, but optimism doesn't come to me naturally. No. I would much rather make a mean joke, start a fight, get drunk <laughs> like that's the way the world makes sense to me but i'm i'm trying i'm trying yeah uh definitely like that character um and uh at a pretty bold um chapter uh here uh early on in the book uh singer is is portrayed as a, as a gay male but that came out in the first book and um i don't want to say spark controversy but it definitely was uh, chuck Wendig said some things like sparked trolls for sure yes, yeah definitely sparked the trolls um, and there was a, a protect, a, 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 I think, a very brave chapter early on, just portraying it as a, as a, he and his uh, boyfriend, I believe, yeah. on, a, on a little vacation, a little get-together. That was pretty bold in the Star Wars universe. We've never seen it uh, portrayed in that just kind of uh, a normal function of, of who that character was. Yeah. But uh, not lost on me that it was just really put out there. And, yeah. Uh, makes it makes a character even that much more important, but even that much more interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of great stuff like that in, in the books that is, I think, still staying within the realm of Star Wars, just in terms of depicting mm-hmm. uh, everyday stuff like romance and yeah. food and sex. And that I feel like the collection of writers are getting really good at depicting those things, but still kind of keeping the, the romance of Star Wars without getting into right. the real nitty gritty. There's some revenge sex in here, too, or some, not revenge sex, but some... Uh, uh, anger? Anger sex? Yeah. Angry sex? Fun anger. <laughs> Fun anger sex yeah. between two characters. Anger? That, that yeah. caught me off guard a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, now, John, John Burrell is the one who did yeah. not stick in my memory as much because he gets introduced towards the end of Aftermath. Yes. So he was the one that I had to go back and go like, okay, what's his deal? And I felt right. like he got fleshed out a little bit better. Yes, and uh, he uh, he is a New Republic fighter, uh, who, who, like I said, uh, joins. Um, yeah, and it forms a little bit of a, uh, not, what do you want to say? A, not, I want to say sitcom like, but just kind of... <laughs> Sam and Diane Sam and Diane yeah. relationship a little <laughs> bit with uh, Jazz, and uh, who's the uh, the bounty hunter there. So that was that, that plays off, uh, plays out, but then uh, it factors back in when he, you know, in a way sacrifices part of himself to, yeah. to a greater cause too, and that's the thing too is it seems like a lot of these guys, these characters are growing uh, into uh, uh, giving themselves up for more of the bigger cause too, and that's part of it, part of their growth there. Yeah, they all knew their roles in the old mm-hmm. order, and I, I like that this whole team has like doubts about what they did during the Galactic War. Yeah, and now they're trying to figure out well we, we could be nicer people but is that best for us is, is that, that best for the galaxy is that best right. for the people we love like yeah. all really good big challenging ideas that are great in star wars land and also just larger ideas which is yeah. awesome so uh, aftermath uh la- the first book lacked the big characters which i keep saying might have been one of the reasons the book was not as well received early on there um is is we open up that book expecting the continued adventures of han luke and leia and and they're pretty much not there in the books uh han shows up with chewy for a good four or five page interlude uh which sets up this book they're gonna yep. go to kashik and um chewy wants to uh, liberate the planet there so in this book we do very much get to meet and spend some time with han solo yeah 
daunting prospect for any author, yeah, any comic book writer, is to recreate the magic of Han Solo. Um, I think he Chuck Wendig did it for the most part here with Han. Yeah, I think he nailed it with yeah. Han. Was, yeah, yeah I, I think everything read is Han, uh, and it was still uh, breaking some new ground mm-hmm. to show his continuing development in his arc of, of trying to uh, value the skills and knowledge and perspective he has as a scoundrel and a smuggler. Yeah. But he has different priorities and different perspectives. And, and a bigger goal. And then a lot of stuff with him, Leia, and a baby on the way. Yeah. Is, it's kind of sad to read, you know? Oh, a lot of it is very yeah. tragic. But I do have to say uh, that I think part of the reason that Life Dead is such a smoother read than Aftermath yeah. is... Because it touches so much on stuff that happens in The Force Awakens, characters we know yes. from The Force Awakens, and a lot from Bloodline. Yes. So there's just, there's very little feeling of introduction to new. It's all continuing. And uh, jumping a little aside to, to Leia, um, Leia's visited by an old friend that's from the comic book, the Leia comic book. Oh, uh, really? The character of, of Yvonne or Evan, uh, it's, it's E-V-A-A-N, I say Yvonne, um, uh, who is the tall blonde pilot from oh. the five issue run of uh, Princess Leia, the Marvel comic, and that was a great return. Oh, the other Alderanian, yes, yeah, who helped yeah. her out. No, that's awesome. That was a great return, and I love stuff like that because now we're starting to see the new the new canon is connecting. Yeah, and it's all starting to make a little more sense. Yeah, and and that that things that happen in the comics will carry some weight in the books and potentially the movies. I think they have to keep them somewhat. Separated from the movies to for the general public, but they'll they'll show up and there'll be nice little Easter eggs if they do. Yeah, um, but I love that actually. I, I like that little scene. I yeah. like the, that she comes to help. Yeah, there's a ton of little great little Easter eggs like that. Um, I want to go back to Han Solo though. Yeah, you yeah, said, I totally you said do. for I the you most track. part. Um, I was, did, what, did you have some Han Solo I, doubts? The, it, the dialogue was great. The, the character Han Solo. I do think though. Um, it's the Han at the end of Jedi doesn't seem like this Han to me. Okay. Maybe that's because Harrison just didn't care at the end of Jedi <laughs> and this character cares again, uh, which is fine. Maybe he's reinvigorated and remotivated uh, by uh, the Kashyyyk and, and the life debt with Chewie and all that kind of stuff. And there's a little, there's some moments there um, where it's like, there's a lot of like, yeah, you know, you'll you'll get that, your highness. All right, sister. And it's like, all right, yeah, I get it. Han says that kind of stuff. Uh, so it took me out a couple times, okay. if I'm being honest. But again, I say because it's it's hard. It's hard to capture Solo. Yeah. And we all have him so ingrained in our minds. So uh, overall, I'm saying it's a great job, and, and, and Han felt like Han. Yeah. You know what's really struck me about that, about reading, like, Honey and Sister, mm-hmm. is obviously... That is in the, you know, original Star Wars. Yeah. That's how Han Solo talks. Right. But it is a much more Earth, real-world way of talking yeah. than our Star Wars characters now talk or have talked in a long time. Agree with that. So then when you go back to it, you're like, oh, that sounds a little off. Like, no, that sounds exactly like Han Solo. <laughs> it's like just Han. that this whole, yeah. you know, the difference between the real world and Star Wars land has evolved yeah. to that kind of colloquial talking is not in Star Wars as much. Which is right and which is weird. Uh, yeah, you're right about that. So, um, again, I, I enjoyed Solo in this book. I don't want anyone to think otherwise there. I just There was a couple of times I was like, oh, yeah, yeah Han, Han would say that. Yeah, um, I think the best thing about Han is he walked the right line of making him a true hero and being really good at certain things. Yeah. and then, But also not making him just uber powerful because he's Han Solo. And as soon as... 
the other characters walk up to him, like they have reverence. They have a little bit of fear. Yeah. But then you see that, oh, he's got this bravado, but then he has this pain underneath and he is a great shot. And like, he's a great shot and he's a great pilot. And he's got, you know, this weird luck that isn't the force, but seems to surround him. And he kind of, you have crazy plans and this whole plan to take on the empire pretty much by himself to liberate Kashyyyk. Um, which works, um, but uh, they're all the whole time. It just, they don't know how it should, and it does type of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah so Han is Han, for sure. Han is Han, and yeah, yeah walks that balance of he, he's as cool as he should be, but he's not perfect. He's not this amazing, flawless hero. Did you like the time we spent on Kashyyyk? Did you like how it was portrayed? Uh, I did. The only time we've really, really, really seen it, not counting the Christmas special, is, of course, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Um, and it's interesting to me because in the Zahn books, and these the Aftermath series shouldn't be compared to the Zahn Heir to the Empire trilogy, but in a way they will because it was the same kind of idea, the continuation. Yeah. Um, you spend a lot of time, and in fact, our first real time on Kashyyyk is in those books. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was interesting that they made the choice to go back there. Um, and I liked it. And it's, a, and it's a tragic, depressing, enslaved by the Empire type of Kashyyyk. Yeah. Um, so I hope in a way, at some point down the line, we get to go back and see a re, replenished Kashyyyk. Yeah. Because it's a like, dire landscape. Yeah. I like that they expanded that it's not, they don't just live in trees. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it does then separate them from the Ewoks. Yeah, there's like a main city. Yeah, we get into a lot of that for the first time. Um, and I like too that the, the Imperial garrison that's there is a um, kind of a ragtag left left at the far reaches of the galaxy, not almost not knowing what's going on. Yeah, um, and I like that. I like a lot of how the Empire is portrayed uh, in that it is scattered. And mm-hmm. that there are factions, and maybe one faction doesn't know what the other, and they're trying, but they're, because they're kind of dastardly evil people, there's going to be power struggles and power plays, and no one trusts people. And you got this guy on Kashyyyk, um, who uh, is a mess. <laughs> He's just a mess. He's a mess. And, and, uh, and, I, and I like that in a way. And it made, it made him easier to be defeated, but also it just made sense to me that in this post-Galactic uh, Empire galaxy yeah. that, that uh, they're not going to fade away, but they're not going to... Uh, know how to reorganize himself. Yeah, he's really good at giving it that quick human perspective of letting you know how a character felt about the Empire, felt about their place in the Empire, mm-hmm. and then if they're bitter, if they're prideful, if they're hopeful, like what their relationship to the Empire was, so then when they're isolated, how they handle things. And I like that this guy is a bitter weirdo who chooses to uh, eat hallucinogenic uh, sap from Wookiee trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, they got a lot into the uh, delicacy of the Wookiees. That they sure was, did. Uh, <laughs> it was interesting. Yeah. And also just, I, I do kind of like, this sounds awful, I like some of the vicious details about the Empire's true evil. Yes. Because it does flesh out like, okay, well, even if somebody like Ray Sloan just sees it as a system of organization and ultimately people are happier if everything's organized. Right. Then you're like, well, but there's that whole Palpatine being evil thing and just, you yeah. know, enslaving and brutalizing yeah. species. Yeah. And and that that keeps into those themes, and, and I like that. That uh, I, I know what you mean. I should say I know that it's not um, it's not played for laughs. It's not like the uh, the Wookies are uh, just sitting around in a, se- in, a, in, a in a cell. There's some yeah. bad stuff going on there. <clears throat> yeah, and there were two big bits of pre- uh, previous canon mm-hmm. that, unless I'm mistaken, were reintroduced mm-hmm. firmly into canon, which is that the Empire is straight up racist, right? And then the other that. Han Solo did rescue Chewbacca. 
Yes, absolutely, which uh, is interesting because it, to me, means we don't really need that answer anymore in <laughs> the young Han Solo movies, especially if they're going to make three of them. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was definitely that, and I did like that. It did kind of reestablish what we've always believed growing up. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a, it was in those three Han Solo novels that were written back in the old uh, expanded oh, yeah. universe, which is Legends now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, to me, that was that's so firmly embedded. Like, that is the kind of thing that we talked about as kids on the playground. We heard it somewhere mm-hmm. that Han rescued Chewie, yeah. and that's what the life debt is. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that that's back. And it does make me think that that actually might be the first young Han Solo movie. Is this? Oh, up. you think it, that will be it? I, I think it might be. I, I, I'm hoping that it's just we, it's out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I know you just talked about this on Spotlight Star Wars, and I haven't yeah. had a chance to to listen. A yet. Little, yeah, yeah. But I feel like if they're going to do three movies, which why wouldn't they want to? Yeah, why wouldn't they? Yeah, start with the uh, the big big old space bromance of Han and Chewie. Yeah. Um, and to your point about the Empire being uh, racist or speciesist, uh, speciesist, uh, I guess you'd say, um, that's an excellent point because not that I, f- not that I felt it got away from it, but it definitely was not at the forefront of, say, Rebels, uh, no. some of the other uh, stories. But again, something we grew up with that is maybe no longer canon or no longer blah blah blah. But yeah, that the Emperor, this is what he felt, and this is what he put throughout his organization. Um, I, again, uh, I like that it's back. I like yeah. that it firmly establishes the empire as bad people or overall. Yeah. It's a horrible thing to say. Misled. Yeah. I'm thrilled that the racism is back. Yes. But yes, it doesn't make any sense to me to see all of these human officers. Yeah. And not have that be a part of the story. Right. Absolutely makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. The action on Kashyyyk <laughs> is great in this book. Uh, there's a lot of stuff there. Some page-turning things, as I can say as a book reviewer uh, word there, a phrase. Page-turner! <laughs> um, were you happy with the action in those scenes, too, Joseph? you with me on that? Oh, yeah, There's yeah, some great yeah. stuff, and which maybe uh, Aftermath <clears throat> lacked to a certain degree to me. Yeah, I think Wendig is really good at writing those action scenes, and I thought the action was really good, in particular in that prison. It was really harrowing, and you really felt... Yeah. Oh, bad things are happening to the characters I like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It read well, read very well. And then the stuff, so the, the, they, they are successful, and, uh, and uh, they get the, the prisoners, long-held prisoners out, and, and um, Nora's husband is there. And, yeah. And uh, Bre- Brenton. 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 Yeah. So fun to learn to say Star Wars names. <laughs> we can say them however we want. Jorth Kaboth. Um, <laughs> uh so his his return was great. Number one, it hurts Wedge. Oh, it's a sad scene. Very sad scene for me. Uh, Wedge lowing. <laughs> he's lost out on love. He's got those, his, flowers, those flowers in his hand. <laughs> it's just so... <laughs> it's written really well to have <laughs> that too. Two people won't be happy. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Um, but then it becomes a focal point and leads to uh, this Liberation Day, which is celebration. Mon Mothma's up there. And it's part of Rax's plan and uh, turns into uh, basically a, uh, a terrorist attack, basically, mm-hmm. with the, the prisoners uh, having some kind of programming, so to speak. And, and Nora's husband is part of that. And, and um, it, it played out. It was interesting to me. I, I didn't know if I, w- I wanted it to go that direction. There was something going on because he couldn't recover. He, he took the walks. I mean, you, you yeah. saw it coming eight miles away, right? Yeah, I, I did. I just was, I was, I guess I wanted something different. I don't know. I wanted maybe more into the actual love triangle. <laughs> okay, I <laughs> maybe, see. <laughs> maybe I was like, I want Wedge to get get some, uh, oh, poor Wedge, have a drink. Uh, you and Sindra get a drink. 
Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you could see something was up. And I feel like that was a choice mm. to mm. make it so obvious that's what was going to happen. Sure, sure. Um, there's one little thing in the, in the scene when the, in the, the attack takes place. There's a lot of uh, New Republic senators and, and everybody attacked. Oh, yeah. Did you notice, though, there was one throwaway line of someone who might be dead? There were two, in fact. Okay, listen. To, to, well, not two people. It was mentioned twice. Yes. That your friend and mine. Yes. The man with the best haircut in space, General Maydean. I can't accept that. Might be dead. Might See, be dead. I, and this is, I think, another thing of like, either you like it or you don't. Chuck right. Wendig is cheeky. Yes. I think that's the best word for it. Yeah. And that seems like a, hey, I know there are 30, 40-year-old guys out there who are really attached <laughs> to their General Maydean action figure with the pointer. I'm going to mess with you. I, I, it stood out to me because yep. it's, there's a throwaway line of, a, you know, General, General Maydean is there. And I'm like, oh, great, we're going to get it. Oh, no, he, he's a, he might be dead. And then he meant, like I said, mentioned again. I, I, uh, there's, it harkens back to uh, there's a character in the fourth Game of Thrones book, uh, Feast for Crows, that is just, uh, uh, there's a line of he's dead. And then it comes back in the fifth book and it plays out differently. Yeah. But I was so mad when I read that. I was like, no, I've invested so much <laughs> into this guy in a sentence. He's dead in a sentence. I don't even get to see it. So I want Cricks to, if, if he went out. I want a comic explaining that yep. a little bit more because he went out. I don't know. I, I can't accept that he's out. So that's all I'm saying, Joseph. Is I just if 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 the general went out, I want to I want a proper goodbye. Absolutely. <laughs> I think he deserves his own novel. Hopefully, not a young adult <laughs> novel. How Maydean died How May- for young adults. <laughs> oh boy, what a great character! So there's all that stuff in there, but I want to get into a little bit of um, this character, Galius Rax. Yeah. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. 
With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Has a long history in the empire, so to speak. What, what Ray Sloan goes on this uh, mission to find out a little bit more about this man she's working for. Yeah. And there's definitely connect, connection to Palpatine. Uh, good old Sheev, and uh, there's some uh, private eye detective work she does. It's like it's like uh, he's like uh, uh, the Big Lebowski, Little Lebowski support system here. You know, uh, it's <laughs> like on he's on the Emperor's knee in this photo or something. Yeah, so and we find out it, through that that Yalaren died on the Death Star, which I think that's right. the first time I saw that confirmed, which is a yep. bummer for me. <laughs> I like Yalaren not as much as Medine, right? Um, so yeah, there's that, and then uh, so, but this this character is a shadowy figure, and in fact forms the Shadow Council and is and is trying to lead this new empire. Uh, Ray is the uh, face of it, but definitely definitely not in control. Yeah. Um, I, I want this. We don't know a lot about this character, but I, mm. I don't know if it's time to jump to the end of the book here. But sure, why not? Because you know we can always jump back into the middle. We can always jump to. back. But yeah, but that's yeah, that's burning. Yeah, yeah. So I think the. The portrayal of Gallius Rax is mm. probably my biggest criticism because he falls a little flat. Agreed. To me, Agreed. You don't, you can't, he's not quite uh, Sith obsessed, right. religious. Mm-hmm. He's manipulating things behind the scenes, but that's starting to traipse dangerously into sort of Thrawn master manipulator territory. Right. He's pulling puppet strings. Some of the strings we get to see a lot, we don't really know how he managed to pull these strings. For instance, the stuff on Kashyyyk with the prisoners. Yeah, we know that he allowed that to happen, but we don't exactly see how he allowed that to happen. Right. Um, So he himself feels a little flat, but then at the beginning, in the end, we get this very clear picture that he was this uh, tortured little boy on Jakku. Jakku. Snuck onto clearly one of the Imperial uh, Mm -hmm. dignitaries' ships. (laughs) And what do you know? Old Sheev himself, we we find out in the epilogue, is in there. Yeah. And basically hires him to guard well, something. And that's the, the most exciting part is what I couldn't contain myself from talking about to people, uh, but not being able to talk about, is what the hell is going on on Jakku? <laughs> um, the epilogue is three decades ago. So mm-hmm. that puts us well into prequel time, well into Senator Palpatine time, yep. not Emperor Palpatine time. Um, and Galley, as he's called, his little kid, he's this little ragamuffin, sneaks on the ship, all that good stuff. Um, but, uh, there's something on Jakku. Yeah. So the droids are digging. Here's the, here's the thing. I was doing some research for yeah. our, our show, Databank Brawl. Yeah. Looked at Jakku on Databank, straight up says about Jakku, it was the home of an imperial research, a secret imperial research base. 
Okay. So that gives it a little bit more specificity, but it basically, mm. Chief Palpatine says that the, the droids are digging and they'll continue to dig for something. Right. Some good time spent at the end there, toward the end of, of Life Debt, yeah. talking about how Jakku is truly the edge of known space. Really towards the wall, towards the end. And unknown space, which I haven't read a good definition of, as good of a definition in this new canon of what that is, is it's, right. it's so dangerous, full of you know, uh, strange, bizarre space stuff right. that people don't make it through. Here's not my, even the use on Vogue? I, I sure as hell hope not. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, legends, lovers. I don't like anything that where the Force doesn't work. That's not how Star Wars is to me. The Force yeah. should always work. Um, but here's my big theory. I still think this is my Snoke theory, so get ready to hold up your, um, your Snoke theory sucks cards that everybody has now. Yes. I still think that Snoke comes from the unknown space. I think that's why he has a different philosophy of the dark side than mm. the Sith. Okay. There are little hints throughout the new canon books that Palpatine was obsessed with controlling this galaxy, mm. but then he wanted to reach out for secrets of the dark side that are far away in unknown space. Interesting. So I think because Jakku is at the edge of unknown space, there is something that had buried there a long time ago. Uh, the, that's the other thing that it says mm. on Jakku's databank entry mm. is that it was a research base and a jumping off point for exploration of unknown space. Interesting. So I think it's going to tie back into here's the thing that Palpatine was up to is discovering and unlocking some secrets of the dark side that were beyond him. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to read this, this sentence here towards the end again. Uh, by this point, this is a spoiler. Uh, if you're still listening, you've gone a long way not having read the book um uh this is palpatine speaking and we don't know at this time we can assume by the time this conversation's happening you're kind of thinking this is palpatine but it's not revealed to the character but good then i have your first task young galley you will go back to jakku the spot there in the dirt where my droids were operating is precious not just to me but to the galaxy at large it is significant. It was significant a thousand years ago, and it will be significant again. And he goes on telling me how you'll monitor the droids and everything <clears> like that. Um, as a young boy, so again, this is 30 years prior to the events of Aftermath Life Debt. Yep. That's going to put you around the time of Phantom Menace. I'm trying to do the math here. Phantom Menace, 10 years before Clones. Clones, yeah. Sith, 18 before A New Hope. So this is around that time period. Yep. Um, a young upstart senator from Naboo. <laughs> Who knows he's going to be emperor. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't think to tie that into Snoke the way you did. So this is a full-on give Joseph Scrimshaw credit theory. <laughs> if I'm true. right. Yeah. Um, it could be just a fun thing they're playing with for the books. Could be. Could be. Um, not everything has to tie to Snoke or Ray's parents, people. But... Yeah. Um, there's something there, and that's something of a thousand years. Um, you know, Sith Temple comes into play. Could it be something with Bane? You know, yeah. it could be any of those kind of things. Um, but they do go into the into detail, like you say, about what is beyond the galaxy. Yeah, and you're right. I didn't I didn't see it as much as you have. This is why you are uh, the great pontificator. Of I Star just Wars. I'm like this character in the book. I can't remember. I didn't write down his name. You. Tasho, I think maybe the imperial, the insane yes. imperial dignitary who's just like totally into the dark side stuff. Yes. I'm fascinated by those stories in the new canon. Yeah. Um, another thing I found fascinating about this whole thing is like on a meta level, it seems like Jakku is becoming uber Tatooine. Yeah. Tatooine was a desert planet that was far away 
that was unimportant. Yeah. But it kept being more and more important. Right. And now Jakku was a tiny, out-of-the-way <laughs> desert planet that is now, we're being told, by the emperor himself. Yeah. It has great significance. Right. Right. It's and n- then... Yeah. It's almost a commentary on... Well, Tatooine was a, a desert planet where things just... Amazing, important things just happen to happen there. Right. And now they're going to be like, no, it's gonna, there's going to be some right. holocron at its core or some... It's going to be important for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed it because it, you know, obviously, where Ray comes from or where Ray was dropped off, as we as we know, um, so it all seems to tie together and kind of excites me in a nerd chill type of way. Yeah, that uh, Jakku and the Battle of Jakku that we're going to get um, fascinates me. That the, the, that's the final stand of the Empire, and now that we know you know, why, now that it wasn't why. just a random thing. They weren't there for resources. Right. It's not where they happened to catch up. It Gallius Rex is yeah. making a stand there for some reason. For some reason that ties to this epilogue, um, and and it's exciting. And now we're going to you know on the the we've seen some of the cover art of uh, of the of Empire's End. We got yeah. Ray's at at home. Yeah, on the ground burning. And uh, we got, uh, you know, crossover. It's going to make me read Lost Stars again. Yep. Um, I, I think I think the Battle of Jakku is going to be a, a big event in Star Wars across all forms of media. Yeah. We're going to uh, learn whose helmet she's wearing because it's not Luke's. Did you see? Yeah, it's not Luke's. And it's and it's the name's been listed somewhere, I think. But it's a, it's a rebel pilot. Um, but it factors in. And the new Funko Pop that came out. Did you see it? I did not. It is a GameStop exclusive. It is Ray with the helmet on, and she's holding the little X-Wing doll. Aw, that's um, awesome. I went to go buy it, and it was broken inside, and I asked them if they had another, and they didn't have another one, so I got to track that down. <laughs> um, yeah, so I love that stuff, because I love that means we're going to go back and watch Force Awakens and see yeah. things that we didn't see before. I think it's going to kick off more Ray is wrestling with the dark side, that maybe mm. she was left somewhere that has great dark side power for a reason. Interesting. That it's not going to... I think this is going to kick off even more Ray theories that it's not random. Yeah. Because it could go either way. There could be people who have no idea that Jakku is significant to the Emperor. Right. And it's just an out-of-the-way place to drop her off to keep her hidden, or they left her there because it's significant. Yeah, I, w- I would hate to think that if, uh, yeah, that Luke or, or anyone would just be like, hey, put her here and not be fully aware that uh, the Battle of Jakku that happened there happened for a, a bigger, bigger meeting. Yeah. It wasn't just an Imperial shipyard, which is what I've been led to believe going so far before this moment in the book. Right. Maybe that's why I was so excited about this, and I hadn't looked on StarWars.com yet really at Jakku. But, you know, even in Battlefront, it's a shipyard of uh, the Graveyard of Giants. It's yeah. where the Empire was building their ships and everything like okay. that. Um, and so I thought that was significant. So I'm geeking out at the fact that, no, Sheev himself, 30 years ago, was like, no, there's something inside here, uh, a thousand years old, that we're, that's significant that I need. Yeah. And now it's all ties together, starting to tie together. I love that. Great way was a great way to end the book for me. Absolutely. Um yeah, and I think other things that might kind of tie into that story is the whole Acolytes of the Beyond. I did want to get into that next. That's next on my notes, and that's great. So this is a, an interlude scene that first shows up in Aftermath, yeah. and you don't really know them as the Acolytes of the Beyond, correct? I, I, I think, think that. that name is dropped. Is it, is it dropped? Yeah. Um, but it's certainly a more shrouded a mystery, yeah. and they buy the what they believe to be Vader's lightsaber. Yeah. Which was an interesting, intriguing scene. Yep. 
but it was a one-off interlude scene because these books have those. And they come back here, and now we get to know a little bit more about these hot topic goth kids yeah. who believe in the dark side of the force. And now, now one of them appears to have Vader's saber. Appears. And their goal is to give it back to him in death. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird because it it uh, it's intriguing because it's like key Star Wars stuff. Darth Vader's lightsaber. Yeah, it's big. Of course, there'd be uh, fanboys and cultists, uh, fangirls who want Darth Vader's lightsaber. But then everything around it, Acolytes of the Beyond, is not a super Star Warsy sounding name. It's, not. it's very generic, culty, almost H.P. Lovecraft like. Yep. The scene in this particular book. Um, the cop station was just kind of a cop station. Yeah. Like I kind of expected Castle to walk through. (laughs) (laughs) So it's this mashup of like the deepest of Star Wars and a little bit getting away from the spirit of Star Wars, at least in the kind of the surrounding stuff. Yeah. And I I feel like a lot of people, I think at least one person tweeted in to ask, are Acolytes of the Beyond? Mm. Knights of Ren. Well, maybe uh, we might be getting to that question later today. Right. Um, But there's obvious connections there. Yeah. Similar vibe. Similar vibe. It it reeks of Kylo Ren worshipping the the, the burnt mask of Vader. What? Now, we're going to spend half our time, at this point, as Star Wars fans, tracking down uh, how sabers ended up places. It seems to be important, though, because even the... Remember the Star Wars Facebook page put out the question about what happened to Obi-Wan? Exactly. So this is the second lightsaber that, theoretically, was on a Death Star when it blew up. Yeah. Because Obi-Wan's... I, I don't know what theories people have come up with, but right. did did Vader keep it with him when he got in his advanced T- X one? Right, you know, right. Um, and then Vader's saber, we know it was down there in the shaft with Palpatine. Right, right, right. So I, I and and then obviously Force Awakens being a lot about uh, uh, Luke's uh, first lightsaber, which of course was Anakin's lightsaber. Um, so it's interesting to me because I never, never would have thought or put that much importance on the sabers, like their swords in in Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones. Yeah, that are passed down from generation to generation, and, and not that this is that exact same thing, but that there's some kind of power in the sabers themselves. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. It's intriguing to me. Because to me, it's just something that, hey, that you build your own saber. It's part of your graduating course in the Jedi Academy. Put the kyber crystal in. Good, you're a Jedi now, kid. Um, we would have seen that scene in Jedi with Luke building one. We didn't um, cut from the movie. But I like it, too. Yeah. What is it about? What is what is it about that, Joseph? Well, I think it's mythic. I mean, I think that's... Yeah. And it connects back to the sort of fantasy roots of Star Wars. Yeah. That these things have significance and meaning. Yeah. I never... Uh, yeah, even when we started hearing the rumors of... Uh, of that's what um, was Force Awakens was going to have a lot to do with Luke's lightsaber. Yeah, still didn't strike me. I was like, ah, okay, they just want the saber back, but it contains a certain power that uh, attracts Ray to it and 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 uh, helps uh, uh, first scare, but maybe educate Ray on, on what happened and who her past is. That's very interesting. So I'm intrigued by the acolytes of the Beyond, yeah, because of that. And where it goes and how it will factor. Because it right now doesn't seem to factor a ton into this main story. It is yeah. truly just an interlude. Yeah. See where that goes. With, yeah, with the lightsabers, I like the idea that Yoda says explicitly in Empire Strikes Back that the Force flows through all things. That mm-hmm. maybe it's most important to organic beings, but it, it affects physical objects too. Right. And so the idea that it, it's a spiritual process for a Jedi to put together a lightsaber that it would get imbued with what the Force means to me, the way it is used by that user. I think it, it just gives weight to the idea of the Force affecting all things as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like it. What happened to Obi-Wan's 
We got to find out, kids. <laughs> what happened to Obi Wan? Hey, uh, what no, happened to Mace Windu's lightsaber? There's no cult that cares about their lightsabers. It's only Vader's stuff. They what want. happened to Kit Fisto's lightsaber? <laughs> Where are the acolytes of Fisto? That's what we need. That's what we need. Um, one other uh, interlude scene I, I, I mentioned, but we got to talk about because mm-hmm. we just had him on databank brawl. Mm-hmm. This character. Uh, how we did? How do we decide to pronounce this? Malakili. Malakili? Malakili? I think. I think th- or Malakili? Malakili. Yeah, the yeah. Rancor Keeper. <laughs> the GD he has Rancor. a name. <laughs> the GD Rancor Keeper. So there's a great interlude scene. Um, it is by far my favorite interlude scene. Might just be because when I saw the name pop up, Malakili. Malakili. Let's just call him too many L's. Too many L's. Make it like a high, make a hiney ho. When I saw him pop up, I got giddy. Yep. Because it was a fun reference. It'd be like, you know, Lobot pops up, too, you know, <laughs> and you're, you're excited. Um, but it actually gave an interesting take on what happened after Jabba died. There was so much information in there. There was that. a At ton. At first, it feels like, ha, ha, character yeah. that, you know, smaller character that we all have a relationship with. Not all. Yeah. <laughs> only, <laughs> only two. Uh, that some of us have a relationship with. Yeah. Uh, but so much information in there. Mm-hmm. A lot about, and he was he was not on Jabba's sales sail barge, mm-hmm. and he was home. And then we also get the uh, the name of. Uh, is this the first time too that we're getting the official name of uh, the uh, the Sarlacc? The, oh no, the Rancor. The, the Rancor. Yeah, 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 yeah. It and it was is, like Pietra or something. Uh, Patisa. Patisa. P a t e e s a. Patisa was the name, and this is canon, kids. It's canon. Don't tweet Pablo. It's canon. Um, it is uh, that was the name uh, of the uh, that it was, and, and he had saved that Rancor's life during a, a Tuscan Raider attack, and that's why he was chosen to. He was kind of enslaved. He was press ganged a little bit into service. Yeah. He wasn't. He didn't apply for the job at Jabba's Palace. He <laughs> was given it. Um, but yeah, he was a beastmaster, one of the uh, w- working for the Hut Circuses, and one of the best in the business. And uh, that carries some value. Yeah, He's not just a blubbering, crying fat man. But it also makes sense why he's a blubbering fat man because yes. uh, they they clearly make his character empathetic and kind. That he has a relationship with these creatures. Yes. Yes. And he runs into um, these characters from the, they're called the Red Key Raiders. It's a great scene, and also there's a great scene too because he he wanders out to um, the Sarlacc, yeah. to the Great Dune Sea, and the Sarlacc is exposed, which was an interesting note. Well, too. I love that specific canon yeah. that the uh, explosion of the the barge yeah. ripped open the Sarlacc, right? And that all and that the Jawas are in there raiding it. So we we get this really clear lineage in these two books of what happened to Fett's armor. Yes. But not what happened to Fett. Not what happened to Fett, yeah. And then, he's naked, we know. He's, <laughs> he, if he survived, he is not wearing his armor. Um, and these these characters, there's a, there's some, some bad guys come along, and uh, uh, these Red Key Raiders, and they're criminals who rose to power in Jabba's absence, which is, again, speaks of what happens after these leaders and hut was a bad mm-hmm. guy but he also had some order over that planet whatever you want to say and he was rescued by two characters i've got written down here cobb cobb vanth and isa Orr, uh and they are self-proclaimed law enforcers and uh, they've got some stuff going on and they got they got some uh they got some uh some beasts that they need yep. tamed but what's interesting is cobb vanth is very clearly wearing boba fett's armor yep 
very, very clearly. In declaring himself like marshal, like sheriff. Yeah, he's like a town sheriff, a dusty, it's like a western out there on Tatooine now. <laughs> uh, I want a book on this. I want a book on Cobb Van. Give me the book. Give me a novella. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. Not just a tossed away aside interlude to me at all. No, I and I like that about Life Dead, that it was just so chock full of canon, yeah. of new canon, uh, confirmation of old canon, connecting back. Uh, Yendor, uh, who mm-hmm. appears in Bloodline, is yeah. mentioned on Ryloth. So the interludes in Aftermath, is, uh, it's, it's a lot of information, right. new information. Right. In Life Dead, it's all meeting up with old friends. Yes. Yes. And there was also one interlude of the, uh, the injured rebel soldier. Yeah, uh, which was interesting because it it that it it um it added some realism. I thought it was a really good interlude. Uh, the character doesn't stand out, and what it means and the significance to the story at large lost on me at this point. Do some more research on it, but but um, I enjoyed it because uh, it it added some realism to you know much like now where our veterans come home and they're injured or they're veterans they can't fight or they're dealing with with problems. And so this guy, uh, this one particular uh, rebel officer, he's he's getting a new leg. Yeah. And it mentions, and we I think we talked about it on Twitter, but it mentions therapy Ewoks. Yeah. <laughs> therapy Ewoks. Which makes a lot of sense. I want a therapy Ewok. In Los Angeles, you see a lot of people with therapy dogs. <laughs> Just It helps you to pet something and keep it calm. I really yeah. like that it may make it clear that the Ewoks volunteered. It did, yeah. Is a recompense for saving them. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I... I Obviously, yeah. we could do a whole episode on therapy Ewoks and everything that entails. It would be cruel to do it without Jennifer here. You would. But it's weird that we're passing up that that's what the BB-8, mm-hmm. that BB-8 was apparently invented as a therapy droid. They're his that, kind of astromech. And I had this discussion at the office the other day. That's the first BB unit that we see. Mm-hmm. It's a QT-9. QT-9. Which is a little too QT for me. to do. It might be a reference to something. I don't know. Yeah. Quality therapy nine. <laughs> this is a nine, pretty low on <laughs> pretty from low. one to ten. It's pretty low on one the, to uh, eight therapy were too scale. Mean. They didn't work. Yeah, so that was really cool that we got that information. Yeah. Great drive-by joke about the therapy Ewok. Yes, and then I think in the larger picture, to me, what that chapter was about was really showing the kindness of the New Republic. Yeah, and making that argument of the New Republic's perspective is the war is over, the violence is over. So you, like our main characters are trying to do, can drop the hard outer shell. You can drop the, I'll do whatever to make the goal. Mm. And now you can do things like stop and think about your feelings while you pet an Ewok's head. (laughs) So it's, on one hand, it's like this beautiful view of like, well, well, here's the philosophy of the light side. Yeah. Be soft and gentle and honest. Right. But at the same time, we know that means letting your guard down. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You added some significance to it. <laughs> I You're <try>. great. <laughs> You're great. I just want to. I want a pet wicket. When I'm depressed, I want low gray to hang around me. <laughs> yeah, I want a little pat from Tebow. <laughs> That's the like old a, Tebow pat. It's like a Disney uh, Saturday morning cartoon. You know, <laughs> therapy walks. Follow their adventures as they go across. Um, as we begin to wrap up this. Uh, this uh, review of Life Dead, maybe take some fan questions here on this episode here, Joseph, uh, where, um, where, you, where are you at this point? Anything we've left off is what I should say. Yeah, I don't, oh, you know what, the only other, like, to me, really intriguing, weird thing was the interlude where the, the Alderanian refugees were going to rebuild Alderaan with pieces of the Death Star. Yeah, yeah, interesting. That's even, yeah, 
Yeah, I have to reread that. Yeah, how did you feel about that? Was that too much? Um, you no, know, I'm fascinated with the Alderanian refugees. Uh, yeah. uh, that's why I like this this character, uh, Yvonne, coming back. Uh, uh, and I like that it ties to uh, so much to Princess Leia and her identity and also dealing with the the issue of the fact that she seemed to brush it off in New Hope, uh, which has been <laughs> addressed in the comics and yeah. a part of, and, and Bloodline deals with it too. And I love kind of, uh, in a weird way, retconning the, 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 the underwritten parts of Princess Leia and Star Wars, and as you mentioned, the affecting a fake British accent to make yeah. fun of Tarkin, uh, which is great. But yeah, so I'm okay with it, exploring what that means for that, that uh, what we believe is a race of, a uh, planet of beautiful people, not a race, uh, but a planet of beautiful people, peaceful people that are loved and respected every time they're mentioned in some other parts of Star Wars. So to see uh, where they are outside the galaxy, and that, that yeah. factors a lot into that Leia comic, which wasn't the best series of that Marvel's put out of Star Wars, but that was the underlying theme is, is Leia in her Alderanian roots. Yeah. Well, you know what else it does is if there are that big of chunks of the Death Star left after the explosion, mm-hmm. that explains how Vader's saber might have made it out. True. blowing up. So it's not, you know, been reduced to atoms. Okay, yeah. They're big chunks. Could have fallen to the ground on Endor and uh, landed right next to his helmet. <laughs> next to a therapy Ewok. Next to a therapy Ewok. <laughs> Um, yeah, which speaks to there could have been some real some damage on the moon of Endor when the pieces of the Death Star fall that fall that way. Who knows? The science of the explosion of the Death Star yet to really be dived in, dove into. Yeah, in the Star Wars world. Um, so uh, in the end, Life Debt for me uh, is a, a very high recommend. Um, I think you should be reading all of the new canon books that you can. I think there's only two that I haven't: uh, Air, Air, uh, Air to the Jedi and Battlefront Twilight Company. Yeah, I haven't read either. Uh, of those. I haven't read either of those. I've, I've heard Air to the Jedi not uh, not uh, key. To, to read, but Battlefront uh, Twilight Company, I hear good things about. So, but I recommend all of you out there uh, make sure if you're a Star Wars fan, now's a great time to be a Star Wars fan, and there's so much to take. But what's interesting is so many questions are being answered, and so many great new questions are being created um, that I think it is uh, makes all of them essential to uh, being a Star Wars fan now. But if you're a casual fan, don't worry, you can still watch the movies, and we'll have all the answers for you after that. But I totally recommend Aftermath Life Dead is a uh, improvement on the first one um i enjoyed the first one enjoyed the picture it painted of the galaxy but this one is starting to uh put some laser focus on what actually happens what is the aftermath of the fall of the galactic empire so i i highly recommend it i give it five out of uh six therapy ewoks <laughs> nice uh yeah and i will give it like uh i'll give it a 4.5 out of five lost historic lightsabers <laughs> <clears throat> and we're waiting for that Acolytes of the Beyond comic books. Yeah, to pay off and to find out Maidine's fate. Oh, uh, yeah, to. and I, the, the one thing I'll say about Life Debt, too, is I think it is an impressive book that retroactively makes the first book in the series better. Yeah. Because these characters are cool. I think Aftermath is a little bit of work to get through just because of the amount of ideas right. you're thrown, but it's really worth it because it starts to pay off so much in Life Debt. Right. Absolutely does. And I can't wait for Empire's End, Aftermath. Empire's End is coming in 2017. But, Joseph, we do have some fan questions out there. You, of course, can follow us at Force Center Pod on Twitter or go to the Facebook page and like us there and uh, communicate with us, as you will, about all of our Star Wars thoughts and theories. Uh, but we do have some fan questions today. That's right. We have one from Adam DeJanes from Facebook. And Adam says, 
was Vader weaker than the Emperor? Wasn't he the chosen one? Or did he just, or did he just say, screw it, I'm here now? I think meaning mm. I'm stuck. I made my choice. I'm stuck with Palpatine. I, I view Palpatine as stronger. I, I think view so. him as much more powerful, much more <clears throat> trained, much more controlled, uh, much more knowledgeable the ways of the Force. And I think as it's presented to us in Sith, whether you uh, fully like that or not, I do think there was a little bit of, of especially at the end, of Vader going, this is where it's at. Yeah. And I think he lost some power yeah. when he became Vader. I think so, too. That's not canon anymore anywhere, I don't think. No. But I, that's the way I interpret it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, that Lucino's books uh, that deal with um, Vader even learning how to walk and that stuff, that's, that was some good stuff that I, I would like to see. You know, read it if you haven't a chance, can it or not. It's good stuff. But yeah, um, and, and what we're seeing in the Vader comic with Marvel and everything, I, he's still very much in control. Of, uh, Palpatine's still much in, very much in control, very much not fully trusting Darth Vader. And there's a lot of that, a lot of that themes. He's truly powerful. When we say he lost power, um, I think that just means he could have been that much more powerful. Yeah. And I like the idea presented in Lords of the Sith that the natural workings of the Sith is that Mm. the apprentice should be figuring out how to kill the master. Yes. Yeah. And that's the weird system they've got set up and was set up by by Bane is maybe we'll one day find find out officially. Um, since none of that is canon either. Yeah, so I think if Vader could have done it, he would. Yeah. And he did eventually. And eventually he did. <laughs> he looked for his moment, and it took a long time. He, he took his moment. But yeah, I think uh, there's definitely some resignation on the pa- uh, on the part of, uh, of the former Anakin. Oh, yeah, there's some shrugging shoulders for sure. Yeah. Uh, our other two questions kind of relate back to Life Day, which is awesome. So the first one is from Christopher Lien at Chris underscore Lien. I apologize if I murdered your name, which I probably did. Uh, Chris says, do you think the Knights of Ren are acolytes of the beyond? Kylo is their leader because of his ties to Vader. I, if I'm going to put down some, some galactic credit to make this bet, I'm going to say no. I still think the Knights of Ren maybe have more to do with Snoke or whatever is yet to come. Yeah. Doesn't mean that the Acolytes couldn't be the precursor in any way. They're definitely built the same. Yeah. Definitely got that obsession with the past. Yeah, and it is, it's tempting to make that connection because they the Acolytes don't seem to have any Force powers. Right. And we don't have confirmation that any of the Knights of Ren do. Correct. Uh, so I, I think it is going to end up, though, that the Acolytes are punks. Little punk kids. And, and posers. Yeah. And while Kylo Ren struggles with feeling like he's a poser... He's real good with the force. Yeah, he's got the force. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I it's interesting to think, like, how in Empire's End are they going to do something with all of these little interlude threads? Right. Acolytes of the of Beyond being one of the biggest ones. It's got to right. pay off in some interesting right. way. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it, uh, there's something to be said, too. I don't want it always to be connected. Right. You know, I do want some of these answers. I'm enjoying some of the answers that are being put out there in these books. Um, but I don't want it simply to be, you know, like I don't, if, if at any point Sheev Palpatine says to Galius Rax, meet my friend Snoke, I'd be upset. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Welcome to the dinner help. party yeah, with yeah, Snoke. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Maybe the beyond means that they are some, uh, they have some connection to the afterlife to the force and that yeah. they are because they keep saying Vader lives so maybe they're aware that his presence is alive in the force mm-hmm. uh, 
Ooh, interesting. Uh, anything more on that one? No, no, that's uh, that's worth thing. All right, we will move on to our last one, which was a great question that I wanted to answer. However, there is no way in the galaxy that I'm going to pronounce your name correctly, and I apologize. Uh, this came from Facebook. Uh, this is... Gourmet Gonfon Bleu. I just decided to say, say it fancy so my mispronunciation sounded more elegant. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, but he asks, or she asks, I honestly don't know. What do you think about Anakin and Padme's discussion in Attack of the Clones about democracy in dictatorship? Do you think Anakin is simply uh, kidding with Padme? If not, does that mean he is already a little bit evil? Yeah, I, I think that scene uh, is always, to me, came off as heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucas clumsily trying to set something up, potentially, that, hey, look, he's already got these... He's going to be susceptible to a guy who says, uh, I'm going to be the emperor. Yep. So I always took that scene as that. I don't think uh, Anakin... This might have been part of the problem with, with the prequels or problem with Sith and the turn. I always felt the turn of Anakin was too quick, too, too much about his girlfriend, wife at the time type situation. Um, and that scene, particularly at the, the, on the boo, it, it was a little bit like, I get it. He's, he's got a temper or he doesn't yeah. fully believe in what's going on right now. Uh, but I don't think he was evil. I think he just, he was, he had those issues. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's joking at all when he says this stuff about the way Correct. politics should work and then he tries to play it off. Yeah. To keep uh, Padme oh, yeah, happy. Absolutely. Yeah. You, we've all been. We've all done that to the women in our lives. <laughs> the, the Here's my theory. The are you are you serious? But no, no, no. Of course. No. Do you want me to be? Let's ride some butt cows. <laughs> Let's ride some large butt cows. Shocks. Um, uh, yeah, but I think it does tie back to what we were talking about really early on with Sloane's perspective. I think yeah. Anakin, growing up having yeah. not having control, believes the perspective of if you have a good person in charge, they can cut through the bureaucracy and just make fast clean decisions and he right. truly thinks that's the best for everybody which I think it is not executed well at all in that scene right. but I like the idea that he holds that perspective and belief yeah. that if you just let a good person be totally in charge the good person will just take care of business and there's no red tape and people will suffer less right. a good the Jedi's the Jedi's the Jedi Council you know they discuss everything so they won't right. go rescue my mom right. but if one good person was in charge they would just say that's wrong, they'd cut through the red tape and they'd go rescue my mom. Right. And, yeah. you know, I think it ties back really interesting to some of the questions that are being raised in these books of philosophically, yeah. how do you feel about that as a reader, as a right. person who absorbs Star Wars? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's very true. And uh, there is uh, a lot to be said about the uh, stormtroopers are just good dudes showing up to work. Yeah, <laughs> they're just those poor bucketheads, poor as we bucket now heads. know they're called. As, as they're called. Um, but yeah, hey, that is a great question there. Uh, I always love a good prequel question. Yeah, yeah. So those are those are audience questions. So that's great. That's some good ones. You guys are coming up with good stuff. I love it. I love talking with our fans out there, Joseph. Yeah, they're yeah. full of good questions. And as always, you can, uh, like I said, go on Twitter, Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center if you want to get it to this show. Facebook page, like it there. Um, send us a message through the Facebook page, and we'll try to respond when we can too. As well, this is we do this to help uh, foster a good Star Wars community. Uh, you may not agree with all of our uh, things. You may love Mister Bones. <laughs> you may hate Mister Bones. But we all can agree that it's fun to have the. Uh, 
uh, options of uh, new Star Wars characters to form opinions of. It's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. Great books coming out. Joseph, as always, fun to discuss them with you. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and you, yeah, I think it's fine that Star Wars people feel however they want. Yeah. I hope they feel good about General Maydean. They better. I hope that our fans... That's the only non-negotiable. Keep a little love in their heart for General Maybeam. <laughs> keep a little love in your heart <laughs> for Cricks. Um, we're going to find that out in Empire Sand. You know, maybe we'll just... Let's just write Wendig now. Yeah. So tell us the fate. We Come on. We can't live. Give us an interlude. We cannot live anymore. Just release a sample chapter like George R. R. Martin does. <laughs> just do that. Just do that. Guys, it's been fun on Four Center this week. Digging in to Life Dead. Digging in like those droids on Jakku. What are they digging for? We'll find out more. Joseph, tell them where they can find you and follow your adventures and what you got coming up. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can always look at my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for upcoming shows. Of particular interest to those of you listening, I've got a show coming up here in Los Angeles. It's called Head Cannon. It's Friday, August 5th. Uh, it's his fun comedy game show. Ken did it uh, mm-hmm. a little while back. Great fun. And uh, our guests on Friday, August 5th, among them are people that I bet people listening will like. Uh, Clark Wolf and Mark Ellis are going to be guests. So if you're in the whole media talking world, you will know those wonderful human beings. So go to josephscrimshaw.com and check that out. I'm going to try to get out there and spectate. It should be a, a fun night there. As always, Joseph, uh, thanks for bringing your insight and your knowledge to Force Center. You can follow me at Ken Napstock for all my adventures. A lot coming down the line. And uh, we appreciate you guys following all of our adventures here at Force Center. If you're on iTunes, do a favor, subscribe, rate, and review. It helps the show tremendously. You can find us on Potomatic and Stitcher as well. So until next time, let's go digging on Jakku. Uh, this has been Force Center. <laughs>